0: Let's go inside.
1: Welcome back to Distorted Footprints, a critical refugee studies podcast. My name is Catherine Ho, and I will be your host for Episode 5, entitled Southeast Asian Resource Action Center, Understanding Our Past, Supporting Our Present, and Building Our Future. In this episode, we will discuss the work of the Southeast Asian Resource Action Center, or CRAC. We will particularly engage with CRAC's mission, its current coalitional and anti deportation work, and its visions for a kinder future. When CRAC was founded in 1979, it was called the Indochina Refugee Action Center. French Indochina was a term used to describe French colonial territories in Southeast Asia from the 1880s until the 1950s. A comprehensive history of French colonization, Japanese occupation, and American militarism is beyond the scope of this podcast. But when thinking about the work that CRAC does and its mission to empower Cambodian, Lao, and Vietnamese American communities, we should remember that the category of Southeast Asian is not just one of simple geographic convenience, but also is a reminder of the histories of state sanctioned violence and invasion and the ongoing afterlives that continue to mark this space. Professor Carl Bontempo argues that American resettlement of refugees post-1945 occurred not only because of foreign policy desires and cold war anxieties, but also because of domestic policies and developments such as the Red Scare, the civil rights movement, and partisan politics. It is in the same spirit that Professor Yen Espiritu asks us to attend to how the figure of the Vietnamese refugee is circulated to serve as anti-communist evidence of the supposed superiority and justice of American democracy and capitalism. In this light, it has been argued that Vietnamese and Southeast Asian refugees more broadly constitute a solution rather than a problem for the United States, because the circulation of their figure is used to justify or excuse American militarism. Thus, when thinking about Southeast Asian refugees, it is important to simultaneously hold the history that necessitated certain departures, refugees' material realities and their ways of knowing, and the way their figure or images circulated in certain politicized ways. I am thankful to now be joined by Goyang Dinh the executive director of CRAC, who will first introduce the origins and mission of CRAC.
0: So CRAC was founded in 1979 by a group of American humanitarians who were responding to the biggest refugee crisis that the world had ever seen coming out of Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. And one of the legacies of the organization was the passage of the 1980 Refugee Act, uh, which led to um, over 1.3 million refugees uh, from Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos, call uh, being able to call the U.S. home. Uh, and the, I think what's important to me about the origin story is that these were American humanitarians who felt a responsibility to really take accountability for the traumas and the wars uh, and the and the crisis that was happening in Southeast Asia because of American involvement. It isn't because of grace, which is a narrative that many, um, I think, um, refugee lenses often come from, um, wherein refugees need to be grateful for this type of action. But I think for the founders of CRAC, it was really their sense of responsibility that this was an American made problem and there has to be an American made solution to bring these uh, communities to safety. Um, and so the organization has really grown and evolved um, as the community itself has grown and evolved. Um, I forgot to share that uh, my parents arrived here in the U.S. in the 1980s as refugees from Vietnam, as boat people. So they were the direct descendants of this legacy. And had it not been for um, this organization, I would not be here. Um, and as organization grew, um, CRAC's policies um, really also started to look at the orderly departure program, for example, in Vietnam in recognition of the refugees who didn't make it to any of the refugee camps who were returned to Vietnam. Um, the organization worked on uh, resettling folks who were returned from refugee camps. Uh, and then in the 90s, um, the organization recognized that the community's needs were really shifting towards uh, the inequities our communities were continuing to face around education and immigration and poverty and health. And so we began to focus on domestic issues um, that really speak to the systemic challenges of um, um, of, of, um, building uh, the next generation of Southeast Asian Americans here in the U.S. Something
1: I want to highlight here is Guying's analysis of the duration of refugee experiences. There are involvements in structures that cause displacement and necessitate migration, but these structures affect lives long before any formal asylum or refugee resettlement occurs. And as Guying notes, the effects of displacement are intergenerational. In talking about how CRAC approaches intergenerational effects and legacies, Guying uses a framework of self-determination.
0: I feel like that hallmark of understanding the self-determination of uh, refugee communities is one that has not been invested in enough uh, within our U.S. refugee uh, policies. Uh, And also, CREF's existence really speaks to the intergenerational uh, cycles of poverty, of trauma. of uh, displacement that continue to exist even beyond the first generation. And our work, speaks to the systemic challenges that our communities inherited um, and the broken policies um, that impact our life chances uh, as communities of color, as immigrant and refugee communities.
1: One of the challenges that Southeast Asian refugee and Southeast Asian American communities are currently facing is the threat of deportation. In his book, Unsettled, Professor Eric Tang traces the processes by which Cambodian refugees were placed in neighborhoods that were sites of simultaneous disinvestment and state surveillance. While Tang's work focuses on a Cambodian community in the Bronx, this pattern of being unsupported and financially unstable was and is an unfortunately common experience for many Southeast Asian refugees who resettled in the United States. It was in this context that some Southeast Asian refugees are forced into contact with policing and carceral systems. Here, I will turn to Quinn's explanation of the issue in CREC's anti-deportation work.
0: True, that we've been working on uh, since the passage of the 19, uh, 1996 immigration um, laws that are still the status quo in our country today um, that allowed for the deportation of those uh, who came to the country as refugees with past criminal conviction records. Um, and so today we see uh, there are over 17,000 individuals who have final orders of deportation to Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos, for what we see as crimes of poverty and youth that have been served decades ago. Um, and when you talk to these individuals who have these deportation orders, the common theme in the story is that of young people who were resettled in really struggling communities who found who didn't find who couldn't find support at home or at school and instead they found it in gangs and in the streets and unfortunately made mistakes um that they have also paid for in terms of doing their time Um, and in and having transformed their lives and starting families, um, they continue to live day-to-day with these deportation orders, not knowing if one day they're going to be torn apart um, from their children and their partners. Um, And the the work that we do is, I think a part of uh, the larger immigrant rights movement to end deportation um, and to really um, and the criminalization of our immigrant communities uh, who really are being criminalized for nothing more than their poverty and what they were dealt with um, and shifting the narrative on what America's responsibility is and what America's role is to our refugee and immigrant communities um, that our country stands for second chances stands for transformation and stands for family. And so, and our immigration policies have to reflect that instead of tearing families apart. Um, And so that's one reason why one of our major equity pillars is the right to family through immigration policies that unite us uh, rather than tear us apart. Um, So that's a little bit of context on the anti-deportation work. Given the many different
1: communities that are having to fight the threat of deportation and given Southeast Asian American communities' physical proximity to other communities of color, I wanted to give Guiyang space to talk about the necessity and centrality of interracial solidarity and coalition
0: building. I think for CREC, our cross-racial solidarity work is integral to how we see change and how we see our role in contributing to social justice. Uh, in that all of the issues we advocate on from education to health to immigration are done in coalition with other communities of color, with other immigrant communities, with other social justice movements, uh, because we recognize that a, strategically, there is absolutely no way that we can lift uh, and advocate for these solutions on our own. Um, but I think more importantly, it's in recognition that our communities, are intertwined um, and that the solutions that we're fighting for impact not just Southeast Asian Americans, but larger communities that go far beyond us. Um, And uh, I feel like, interestingly, we were called to have a different role um, after the George Floyd incident last year, um, where there was there was a lot of narrative, there's a lot of media narrative um, around African-American communities um, targeting like Hmong um, small businesses um, and uh, lots of questions uh, came up around Black and API solidarity in this moment um, and the organizations we worked with on the ground um, were doing so much work um, to create spaces for community healing um, and to uh, cr- unearth a different dialogue um, that our communities um, have systemically been divided and have systemically been pitted against each other, um, being resettled in communities where there's been no facilitator um, to help us understand one another and that these challenges have persisted for decades and that's what's coming up, um, but that organizations and communities want to see healing in a different space. And I think CREC saw our role as creating venues to um, help those community conversations um, by elevating the work that local communities were doing all across the country on this issue already. But um, by having like Zoom links and uh, toolkits on how to talk about um, API or Southeast Asian solidarity um, with black communities, um, we were able to share those resources uh, with larger community members. And I think we also saw our role as shifting the narrative on Southeast Asian and black solidarity that has been critical that actually is the reason why we are here in America. And that is because while 60% of Americans resisted um, Southeast Asian refugee resettlement in the 70s, it was the Black Panther movement, it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It was a group called Black Americans for Indo-Chinese refugees who all stood up for Southeast Asian American refugee resettlement before there was even a Southeast Asian American community. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that there was that we were able to unearth that narrative for so many people who had no idea um, that this legacy had existed for so long.
1: I particularly appreciate Guiyang drawing our attention to the long history of Black and Southeast Asian encounters prior to the war, predating and continuing through resettlement, and in our contemporary moment. While there have undoubtedly been moments of tension, there also have been beautiful demonstrations of cooperation and solidarity. In thinking about coalition and resistance, I was also interested in C.R.A.C.'s vision of futurity. Here are some of Guiang's thoughts
0: on justice and dreaming. I think for me, in thinking about what justice inevitably looks like, it looks like being able to not just heal but to dream. And one of our um, one of our amazing community leaders said that. Um, I'm not just a daughter of refugees. I'm not just Southeast Asian American. I'm more than that. And I think for our refugee communities, oftentimes that is our history that defines all of us, and that in our pain that defines all of us. But that freedom is really in transforming that pain into power. And when I think about the when I when I think about how much I miss my dad. I think about how he would say to me, why are you wasting your time missing me? You really should be using your time to dream and to love with your family. And I feel like that is what we want to see at the end of the day, is that all of our families have that ability to dream and to create these futures for our young people and for the next generation and beyond. Um, I think C-Rex's role in building that Ability to Dream is focused on creating policies that really protect our families and build stronger communities um, so that we can do that, um, so that we don't have to be silenced in our education experiences, so that we have interpreters um, to help us navigate really, really, really painful health decisions, um, so that we never have to think twice about whether or not today's going to be the last day that I see my daughter because I might be picked up from ICE and be deported. Um, and the changes that we can make to those policies uh, will help to create stronger homes, stronger families, and stronger communities.
1: I want to leave us with Din's reflections on educational privilege, political identity, and responsibility to our communities. I was really privileged
0: to learn about CRAC through my education at Berkeley, um, through a Southeast Asian American Studies class, uh, through Katharia Um actually, who was on sabbatical. Uh, and CRAC was integrated as part of the curriculum. And CRAC was my dream job. I-, I had never known that this organization existed to literally. Um, be responsible, partially responsible for why I'm here today. Um, and I remember one day when I was passing our office door back when we still went into the office every single day, <laughs> I saw our logo and I was like, oh my God, I work at CRAC." And I share that because my hope for c is that we continue to be an organization where folks find inspiration um, and a sense of fulfillment and meaning um, in building our communities uh, and that there is space for everyone uh, to contribute to this organization and to the larger Southeast Asian American movement, which we are just contributors to. Um, And so I share that, I think just as like a thank you um, to the education system as well Um, for providing these opportunities of politicization that would have never been made possible to me or to my family. Um, But also that I really recognize my privilege in having that experience when so many of my friends could have and should have been politicized in the same ways, but they had to go to community college or a state college to continue helping uh, their families to pay their bills. Um, And so I think, one of my calls to action or reflection is also to think about how we use our privilege and our power in whatever way we have um, to contribute back to our communities um, in the longer term as part of our life life's mission.
1: And of course, one way to contribute back to our communities is to get involved with CROC's work.
0: Uh, One way to get involved is actually to join us in our movement work um, and learning more about the work that we do by going to our website, www.crex.org or finding us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Um, We really see the first step um, in building our community as inviting folks in. Uh, And so that really is the first step um, is uh, to continue learning about the work that we do. Uh, We have e-blasts that we send out a lot (laughs) on the different issues and different um, opportunities that we have to fight back against bad policies or to bring forward better policies. Um, And so that's the best way to connect with CRAC. We're also going to be launching our end of year fundraiser. So you can see that um, and ways to donate. Every dollar makes a difference. So even if it's like $5 or like $5 a month, that one coffee that you might want to um, share back with the community um, is also another way that we would really appreciate the community support and um, would be really grateful for. I want to take this time
1: to thank and Din for her time and leadership. The music you have heard throughout this podcast is from No No Boy. I thank Julian for his support and for allowing me to use this music today. And thank you for listening to this episode of Distorted Footprints. Be sure to tune in to episode six, which will pick up on this theme of intergenerational effects of displacement through its exploration of Vietnamese refugees' experiences of generational divides, social media, and conservative politics. Thank you.
0: I can't get off the news.